and welcome to Sporadic. This is episode 10. It is February 21st, and it has been another long time before I have recorded... That was an awkward way of saying that. It's been a while since I've recorded an episode, but for, for the first time since I've been doing this, this is not my fault. Number one, you know what you signed up with, because that's what the name of the show is. You know, that's the whole point. <laughs> It's like, do this when I feel like it. But also, it was the holidays, and after the holidays, I got COVID. And I have been a little reluctant to discuss specifically what happened with my COVID because I am worried that the information... I'm not, you know, like a notable person that people are going to take information about me and extrapolate, and it's going to be a whole fucking viral thing. Nobody gives a shit about me. The thing is that I don't want even the tiniest amount of influence that I have on this world. I want it to be positive. And so I worry that being a vaxxed and boosted person who got COVID, somebody's going to hear that and be like, oh, well, I guess the vaccine doesn't do anything. So I should just not get it and continue to be a blight on society. So here's what's happened. The holidays roll around and me and my fiance are getting right about to do our plans. She was going to go see her family. I was going to go see my family. It was going to be great. Two days before she leaves, she starts feeling sick. She's like, I'm worried that I got COVID. I don't want to go on a plane. I don't want to risk giving it to other people. I don't want to risk giving it to my family. So I am thinking about just canceling. And I was like, cancel, you know, I'll cancel my trip. You cancel your trip. We'll just spend Christmas together. We've been together for six years. This will be our first Christmas together. And, you know, that's exactly what we did, because we are responsible citizens. We're not fucking idiots who are so selfish to think that it's not it's no big deal to get on a plane when you got COVID. It's no big deal to travel with these kind of diseases. So we're both we're both vaxxed. I'm vaxxed and boosted. And because I'm vaxxed and boosted and she got sick, I assumed that I was not going to get sick, which is a dumb thing to assume because she has a job where she goes out and she sees people much more than I see people, and so it only stands to reason that she got it out in the world, as opposed to at the thing doing a thing that we did together, where you know we're at an event and she gets COVID and I don't because oh my god my immune system is so much stronger than hers. So I'm an idiot, is what I'm saying, because she was sick for like ten days, and for ten days I didn't give a fuck. I was like giving her kisses and hanging out with her. At one point, she just, like, coughed in my face because she, was she like, turned her head the wrong way when she coughed. And I did not worry about it at all because I'm vaccine boosted, baby. And if you got it and I didn't get it, that means I'm cool and you're not. So, but that was a dumb thing to do. And I'll tell you why. Because when the virus first got started and people were talking about, like, all the different ways that you can be safe, they started talking about this thing called viral load, where it's like, if you're going to get this disease, you want to get a little bit of it. You don't want someone breathing in your face for like 20 solid hours because then you're going to have a lot more COVID to fight off, you know? And that's exactly what fucking happened to me. She got it in a moment. She got it going out to drinks, hanging out with somebody for maybe an hour. Someone was around them that had, I don't know how it happened. We don't know how it happened. Whereas I was spending 10 days with this person who was infected, just getting fucking COVID fire hosed into my fucking face for 10 straight days. And so when I eventually got sick two weeks later, it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. And here's the thing, you know, I'm vaccine boosted. Had I not been, I would be dead right now because of the amount of COVID that I had and how 
hard it fucking hit me. Guys, when I tell you that this was one of the worst sicknesses I've ever had, it was a it was a weakness. It was a feeling like I couldn't even lift up a fork. There were times I, I lost 15 pounds. And those of you who have seen me in person know that I cannot afford to lose 15 pounds. I'm uh, a naturally skinny, skinny binny. And I couldn't, but the thing is, I couldn't eat. Like I had no appetite. And I had that thing in my brain that was like, well, you should eat. You need to eat. But the idea of getting up and getting food was so exhausting to me. And it lasted for a full fucking month, you guys. For a month. I was out. I was done. My poor fiance, she's got this job that keeps her super duper busy. And on top of doing that, she had to take care of everything. She had to do the laundry and do the dishes. And I was just, I, I couldn't do anything except for sit on the couch. That was my life for an entire month. And the thing is, I think that part of the reason why we view certain illnesses as easier than others is because we know the end date. We know like when it's coming around the corner. And if you get a cold, you're like, all right, four days, I'm going to be fine. If you get the flu, you're like, okay, a week, and I'm going to be fine. And with this, because my fiance had it for 10 days, I was expecting 10 days. And then we blew past 10 days, and now it's a full two weeks, and now it's a full three weeks, and I'm still feeling so weak and so feverish. That's the other thing. It's like I was very achy and feverish in the mornings and the evening time. It was really, really fucking difficult. I used to wake up in the middle of the night because I was so nauseous and just, like, sweating. Like, I, I, I had this such intense night sweats that I couldn't sleep through the night. And then after three weeks of this, I was like, this is never going to end. I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And that was a fucking... That was a whole another kind of nightmare where I was like, this is just, you know, I, I didn't know how this was going to end because I didn't feel it ending. I didn't feel any progress happening. It was rough, man. It was rough. If my fiance wasn't here, I probably would have just starved to death because I wasn't hungry and I felt too weak to go get food. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done in the situation. It felt very much like I could have just evaporated into nothingness and I would have been fine with it because I felt so weak and tired and miserable that I was just like, yeah, take me, take me into the expanse, you know? Oh God, it was fucking rough. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I'm feeling so much better now. It's been, I think about like two and a half weeks since I first started feeling like I was turning the corner, you know? And the funny thing is that I have this little notes document in my computer for what I'm going to talk about whenever I do a sporadic, you know, I'm, I'm going to cover these topics. I'm going to tell these stories. And the thing that I had in my document was I was going to share with all of you my various health problems throughout my life. And then I got COVID and I had to put off recording this for a long time because I obviously didn't have energy to feed myself. I wasn't going to record a podcast. So I was like, oh, this will be a really nice lead-in for talking about this. And so I have a little bit of this in my stand-up. I just started talking about it where I feel like my body is particularly bad. Like, I don't look like I'm a sickly human being. I'm not in a wheelchair. But I, but my body is worse. It's so, I feel like it's a lot worse than a regular person's body. And if you're friends with me and you talk to me and I and you hear, and you, you in, interact with me when I'm going through one of these things then you probably have a sense of how shitty my body is. But 
for those of you who don't, you probably just think I'm just like a regular dude walking around not not dealing with all this shit. So I thought that I would start at the very beginning and I wrote down all the things that I could remember. So when I was a very when I was in um when I was in grade school, my mom noticed that whenever I had to stand in line for a long time, I would roll onto the sides of my feet. And you know, because the bottoms of my feet would be in pain for standing and then I felt a lot better just like standing on the edges of my feet instead. And my, I, you know, I'm a kid. I don't know. I'm not going to be like, mom, it hurts when I'm at the bottom of my feet. I'm standing around for so long. So maybe I should go to the doctor or something. It took my mom seeing me do this for a long time before she was like, I think something's wrong with his feet. She took me to a podiatrist. I've got fallen arches. I got flat feet. So I get orthotics, put them in my shoe. All right. Case closed. Done. Next thing I notice is that as I'm like watching television, I am obsessed with trying to this is a little gross so follow me on this i was obsessed with trying to get my toenail the edges of my toenail out from underneath the skin of my toe and if you have ever had an ingrown toenail you know that what that looks like but i was a kid i just didn't know all i knew was that it was uncomfortable and my toe was in my and my toenail was in my toe and i don't even know how my mom happened to notice this and she took me to the podiatrist also and was like, he's got a fucking massive ingrown toenails on his on his big toes. And so, you know, got that surgery and everything. And they're so much better now, you know? It, that's the thing that really fucks me up with all these health problems is that I come up against these things. And it's happened so many times in my life, as you'll hear. And then eventually when a solution is found, I just feel so much fucking better. And it just fills me with so much rage that... There's this little thing that I could have done that I could have changed and I would have felt so much better so much earlier, but I'm getting ahead of myself, all right? The next big problem that happens is I start getting these really terrible stomach aches and terrible diarrhea and stuff, gas pains in my in my intestines and go to the doctor a whole bunch of times. My mom thinks that it's like a fiber issue, so she starts making me drink prune juice and shit like that. And I just keep on getting these terrible stomach aches, like, all the time. And my mom, she was a bit of a... She she, she took her health very seriously. She had a lot of these random books around that were like, you know, the hundred miracle cures that doctors want to tell you about, you know, like, using food to solve your body, whatever. And I just happened to be flipping through, and I'm like, what do you do when you have, like, these terrible stomach pains and when you have this awful gas? And I, just, and I learned about this thing called lactose intolerant. And so I said to my mom, I think I might be lactose intolerant. And she was like, you're not lactose intolerant. Like, real dismissive. But guess what? I stopped drinking milk in the morning. Suddenly, I feel a fucking ton better. So there's another one. Boom. You know, we're not even in, in middle school. We're not even in, uh, you know, middle school yet. Right? And I've already got these fucking three things. So then I start going to, to, to school. And uh, my mom has pretty bad allergies so she took us all to get tested for our allergies and i happen to have like some pretty severe allergies to cats dust trees and springtime those are mine and when i'm in high school i start getting these uh regular allergy shots but apparently i needed more than that because every once in a while i don't know how it timed out i feel like it was in the winter time i don't remember I just remember that there were certain mornings or certain like collections of mornings where I would wake up and there would just be so much congestion in my nose that I would go through an entire box of tissues in my first class. 
And typically, you know, it would dry up. It would work itself out by about lunchtime. But I was just like this stuffy nosed, blowing my nose, constantly sneezing for the first like two or three periods of my day. Can you believe that no women were interested in me? Can you believe that no girls wanted to hang out with me? This dude who at the end of his first class had a giant mountain of used tissues sitting next to him that he had to then sheepishly bring up to the front of the class, stop by the um, stop by the office to pick up a new a brand new full box of tissues so that I could go through. There were times when I used notepad paper to blow my nose because I didn't have any tissues on me. That's embar- that's so embarrassing. I remember I, I feel this in my bones, like how embarrassed I was at the time, you know. When I finally was able to see an allergist about this issue, I uh, they gave me a nasal steroid to take in the evening time. Guess what? A million times better is never an issue again, you know. But this guy, you know, I was a very busy kid in high school, and I dropped out of taking my monthly allergy shots. You know, my mom was insistent that I keep going with it. I said, no, thank you. I was doing my nasal spray. I was feeling pretty confident about it. And then I started getting these colds every three weeks on the button every three weeks a brand new cold sore throat sneezing congestion and then a cough that lasted for like five days or so and I was a performer at the time I was playing in a band and I was acting in the plays and singing in the musicals and I took this stuff very seriously it was very important to me and to know that if a performance lined up in one of these three-week windows where I would be sick, I was like, this is going to be fucking miserable. I don't want to do that. What if I go, we, we, you know, we had a competition. We had a, we had a high school band competition that we were performing at. What if I'm sick for that? You know, I was playing the trumpet at the time. What if, you know, the musical that I got a really good part in and I got these really great solos that I'd be singing, what if I'm sick for that and I can't give it to my all? You know, it's going to be fucking heartbreaking, man. So I finally, I go to see these doctors and they give me antibiotics and they take an x-ray of my sinuses to think it might be a sinus infection or something. And then I finally just go back to my allergist because he's the only doctor that I hadn't seen yet about this. And he's like, sounds like allergies, man. So they start getting me allergy shots and guess what? Again, gone. And I'm like, how long did I deal with all this shit? I honestly feel like I lost like a year and a half of development. Like I was a year and a half behind where everybody else should have been socially because of I spent so much time being ill, you know, growing up. So then after I start getting my allergy shots, I'm right about to graduate from from uh, high school and go into college. And for I get a, a really good bunch of years where there's really no big issue, you know. I needed to get allergy shots again in college, and that was a little bit of a you know pain in the ass to set up because I had to make sure I got that set up with like the school doctor or whatever. And so, you know, I missed that a couple of times and a couple of times I got sick because of that. But it was still relatively manageable until I was a junior and I was right about to leave for my semester abroad. I was doing a semester abroad in London and I started getting these really terrible stomach pains again. And it wasn't like the lactose thing. It was different. It just felt like everything I did, no matter what I ate, I would just like have these terrible, have these terrible stomach pains, and it felt kind of like I don't know, like it was it was a part of every part of my digestion. Like I would eat, 
I would, I would, it would be uncomfortable the food going down into my stomach. It would be uncomfortable the stomach going into the lower, into the intestines, and it would be uncomfortable going out as well. And so, but I was, you know, I was right about to go to do this semester abroad, so I just like, you know, tried to keep my meals simple, and then I went to London, and sure enough, fucking, my my entire system crashed when I was over there. I was on the toilet for so long. Again and again, I'm in this new situation. I'm young, and the first my first impression is, oh, that's Jared. He had a he had such a bad stomachache on the bus that we thought we might have to pull over during our tour. And uh, oh, that guy. Oh yeah, during the second period, he spent the entire time in the bathroom. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. You know. Oh, he wasn't able to go to that one play because he was so sick. Huh, how about that? So yeah, I started seeing doctors in London trying to get it fixed, and uh, you know, there was no there was no respite there. I went and I did my junior year back in uh, back in college, and you know, there was. I was I was having a hard time with it, but it was at least a little bit manageable. Like I wasn't, you know, having to spend hours on the toilet anymore. I was just uncomfortable a lot of the time. And then I went back to uh, Los Angeles to spend the summer there before my senior year in college. And I was like, I am so fucking tired of this shit. And I'm so fucking tired of feeling miserable that I was like, I'm just going to the fucking doctor. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to, to see the doctor as many times as I fucking need to. And I'll try medicines and I will try whatever. But I'm solving this shit, right? And so I ate just plain rice and fucking breadsticks for months until I saw this one doctor who who gave me a fucking colonoscopy without putting me under, by the way. They I don't think they'd even fucking do that anymore. I was just, you know, I was young and this was a different time where they put fucking cameras up your butthole without putting you to sleep first. It was so fucking painful. But after that, the doctor was like, okay, well, I don't see anything wrong, so it might be irritable bowel syndrome, so here's what you should do. And he gave me some over-the-counter medication suggestions, some some Fibercon and, uh, you know, some, some other stuff. And so I started doing one Fibercon a day, and I felt so much fucking better. And it's, like, kind of making me tear up a little bit thinking about it, you know. And this will be a little bit gross, so, so bear with me, all right? So finish my colonoscopy, which, oh, my God, I was on the table for a long time just recovering from how painful that was. The doctor comes in. He says, okay, get some Fibercon. And so I went out. I got myself a sandwich and a smoothie and a Fibercon. And I went back to my job, that I, my internship I had at the time that summer. I had my smoothie. I had my sandwich. And I had my Fibercon. And I took one of the most satisfying shits of my entire life. And I instantly started feeling better. I was like, was this the problem the whole time? Oh, my God. It was a nightmare. So then I go for my senior year. And, you know, there's still some, there's, there's still some worry about my stomach issues, you know, like I, I'm not drinking as much because I'm like, I think the dr- the drinking thing might've been an issue. You know, I, I'm staying away from seafood because I think that seafood might've been an issue, but I'm just, I'm feeling a lot better and I'm taking it easy, you know? So I graduate from college. I moved to New York city and for a long, and you know, what happens is that for a long time, I just start like slowly creeping my way into being a regular person, a person who doesn't have to worry about what they eat and a person who can 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 drink a lot of booze and have fun and stay up late and then eat pizza and drink soda and and eat fried foods and spicy foods and and suddenly I'm now like a regular fucking person. You know, I'm just I'm eating whatever like a regular person. I'm having the best fucking time, you know? And then then some dumb stuff happens where I'm having too much fun and 
I start having problems with my gums. And this is a big fucking one because this one took a long ass time to fix. So I think I'm like 26 or 27 years old. And I, well, I should, I should mention that before this, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't do anything special to take care of my teeth and my gums. I would brush in the morning and brush at night. Like that was the thing. And every once in a while, I would feel like this achy pain in my gums and I would floss and it would go away. And I remember telling a friend of mine, you know, that achy feeling you get when you don't floss every once in a while. And he was like, no. And I was like, well, I guess that's just me. But here's the thing. It goes away when I floss. So NBD. I remember going away on this trip. I was doing a comedy show in Philadelphia and my gums just felt so fucking weird and achy. And I was just like, God damn, something weird going on. And this is how dumb I was. I was like, oh, I should just have a beer. Maybe the alcohol will kill whatever it is that's infecting my gums. I'm so dumb. So I went and I and I flossed and the, the like a ton of blood came out of my, my gums, you know, more than regular. And I was like, ooh, boy, something's wrong. I go to the dentist. He's like, yeah, you got like a gum infection, man. So, you know, he cleans up my teeth and he tells me to keep on flossing and he gives me the antibiotics and it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. And then he's like, oh, we need a more aggressive treatment. So another more antibiotics, some steroid rinse as well. Keep on flossing. Keep taking care of your teeth. Doesn't go away. And he's like, shit. So, so here's what we do. He's just a dentist. He's never seen shit like this before. He's like, I don't know. I've never seen it where this, it doesn't go away. This is terrible. And now the thing that's bothering me is not that I have these shitty gums so much. It's that I have stumped a doctor. I don't know if you've ever been to that place in your life where you've stumped a doctor this is one of the reasons why I was really into the TV show House was I was like, I need a house. I need a doctor house who will solve my issues because these doctors are flummoxed by me. Like, that's that's very concerning. So what the dentist does is he gives me this mouthwash that stains my teeth dark if I use it for too long, but it at least keeps the infection at bay. And he's like, all right, so we're going to try to figure out what's wrong with you. But in the meantime, just use this every time you eat and before you go to bed, and then at least we'll be able to keep the infection at bay. And just come in whenever your teeth get too dark, and we'll buff them out for you. So I do this for a long time until I find a periodontist, a gum doctor specifically, who is not daunted by what he sees. You know, who's who's not like... I saw some other periodontists who were like, yeah, you know, just keep on flossing and you should be okay. I saw this one guy who was like, yeah, you know, you got chronic gingivitis. We're going to have to clean out your gums every three months. We'll give you a special laser treatment right now to help out, but... Uh, you know, as long as you come in every three months for cleanings, then we should be uh, copacetic. So I want to, I don't know how long this went on for. This went on for like a couple of years. And in the interim, I was doing all these different things to try to figure out how to solve this gum problem. And one of the things that I was doing was I added flossing to my regular nightly routine and I added mouthwash. And so I was using Listerine and Listerine had so much alcohol in it that I would get these sores on the inside of my mouth. And the sores were very very painful and because i'm an idiot i thought maybe the sores were like some sort of um bacteria or something that i could kill with acidity so i would drink like orange juice to get rid of these cankers which obviously made them feel a fucking a lot worse oh boy god damn just think just reliving all this stuff is giving me fucking nightmares and so even after i started seeing this periodontist and he was giving me my cleanings and everything. I still needed to keep up like extreme hygiene in my mouth. So I still needed to have some sort of a mouthwash. So I tried an alcohol-free Listerine and that didn't work. And then I tried this other thing and that didn't fucking work. 
And then I eventually found a mouthwash that did not give me terrible, painful sores on the inside of my mouth, but also protected my gums. And it fucking sucks. It sucks because it's like a special bottle with two separate liquids that you got to... They, they can't touch or they ruin themselves. So you got to pour them into a cup and let them mix and then use it right away when it, when it mixes. But it... it ugh, I don't know. I just wish I had a fucking mouthwash that was one liquid. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't you just wish I had a mouthwash that was one liquid? So, yeah. I'm talking about... It, it, I'm talking about six years of of painful gums of of trying of desperately trying to keep up with this infection and then also every once in a while getting these extremely big and painful sores in the middle in the inside of my mouth unfucking believable but the good news is that i do eventually get up to like a maintenance where i am not in danger of this gum infection. I should mention also that because of the gum infection, as I was trying to figure out like a good maintenance routine, I, 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 the infection, sometimes you, you don't have a maintenance that is strong enough for the infection. So you're not keeping your teeth clean enough. And then you get like a really bad gum infection that needs to be taken out, you know? And so four times I had gum surgery to remove infected tissue that was so bad that because I, I just, I, you know, I wasn't brushing correctly or I wasn't using the mouthwash anymore because it was giving me the horrible sores. And, you know, there was another time where I started seeing a dentist instead of seeing a periodontist because the dentist told me I only needed to, to get cleanings every six months. He was like, you should be fine with six months. So I was like, all right, well, I need to save money because, you know, I'm a, I'm a waiter. So I guess I'll just do the six month thing. And then I did that for a couple of years. And then my teeth got so bad that I needed a fourth fucking gum infect gum surgery. So, okay, now we're in my uh, my mid thirties here, and um, I am you know the the gum thing is basically taken care of. It's a pain in the ass because now I have like a very intensive regime where I have to brush after every meal and floss, and I use these like little gum picks at night as well. And I got my stupid fucking mouthwash that needs two. It's got the two spigots so that you can mix the liquids together, <laughs> and. Uh, and then I start getting these weird, this weird pressure in my lower abdomen. Lower abdomen pressure kind of feels like there's like a lump of cement in there. And I thought maybe it's just like undigested food. So I just sometimes right before I would go to sleep, I would just like have to have to like sit up for a couple of hours to try to like make it go down or something. I didn't know what it was, but it was really bugging me. And so then this triggers another round of seeing a bunch of doctors and I get two colonoscopies and an endoscopy and a ultrasound on my liver and stuff like that. And, you know, again, this takes like a year to solve, to figure out before uh, this doctor doesn't even put the pieces together about what's causing the pressure. She just happens to notice things from all these tests. And one of the things you notice is, oh, you know, there's a little fat in your liver. So if I were you, I would stop drinking for a little bit. I would stop eating fatty foods. I would stop, you know... Uh, just, you know, have a little bit more of a liver-friendly diet. And lo and behold, that took the pressure away. That made me feel like a million times better. So I was like, all right, cool. I guess I just have a shitty liver now where I need to not, uh, you know, drink anymore. And I got to eat fewer French fries and shit like that. I got to eat less red meat and stuff like that. And keep in mind that I'm also like a skinny binny. And so this entire time that I am you know, going through all these health problems, I'm trying to eat more so that I can gain weight because I feel like if I have a little bit more weight on my bones, then I'll be healthier. So, you know, 
as I'm trying to gain weight, I'm also needing to switch to a healthier diet, which is going to make gaining weight like a whole lot harder, of course. But I finally have the liver thing handled, you know, and I have the liver thing handled and I have the allergies handled and I have the gums handled. And I, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm straight. I think I'm good here, you know, I'm, but I'm trying to put on weight, as I mentioned. So my liver is good, but I'm trying to put on weight. And so I'm eating, I'm, I'm slowly increasing the amount of food that I eat, and I'm slowly trying to eat things that are a little bit more calorie dense, and I start getting really bad acid reflux. And at first it's like, you know, I didn't even notice that it's acid reflux. All I know is that I keep on waking up because I'm nauseous in the middle of the night, and I don't know what that's about, but I could, didn't even think that that might be reflux, but it, I did a little Googling, and it turns out that it was. And so then I start, then that turns into, like, actual reflux, where you kind of feel the burning in your chest, and that got really, really bad to the point where sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and need to take a couple of Tums in order to get back to sleep. So then I start going to see this doctor again, the one that found my fatty liver, and was like, okay, well, we're going to give you an endoscopy, and we're going to give you this medication, and we're going we're gonna to figure this out, you know? And the medication doesn't work, you know? I just have this really terrible reflux, and I'm taking Tums. And then I see a different doctor who's like, oh, you shouldn't take Tums, just take this medication. So I'm taking the medication, and I think it's working because I'm not feeling like the, the acid reflux anymore, but I'm still feeling like this, this burning in my esophagus. And I think it's just because I'm not eating correctly as I'm taking the medication. So I'm taking the medication, I'm trying to eat a bunch of different things to try to figure out, like, I'm, it's like before when I had the stomach problem. I'm just, I don't know what it is that I'm eating that's causing this, but I know it's got to be something that I'm eating, you know? So the medication thing becomes a, you know, I'm seeing this guy, doctor who's like, okay, let's wean you off the medication to, and then we do another endoscopy to see how you're doing. And the entire time that this is happening, it's just going up and down and up and down, this, this burning in my esophagus. I think some people call it silent reflux because you don't get the actual acid reflux part of it. You just get this weird symptom of like a damaged esophagus. So I have the silent reflux now that I'm trying to fix and the medication isn't doing it. I don't know what I'm eating that's doing it. And so this lasts for about eight months of just every time I eat, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to do it. I don't know if it's not going to fucking do it, you know? I should also mention that I became a recreational edible user, marijuana edible user, and my usage increased a lot because it was the only thing that made me not feel miserable. I felt so bad with this reflux all the time. And at least if I, if I had some edibles, I could manage, I could like feel a little bit at peace with it, feel a little bit more comfort with it. And so here's where we're, we're rolling around the corner of, of where we're at today is that I think I have the acid reflux thing solved because we're talking, I want to talk about this acid reflux thing started like a year ago and has not ceased until about now. Even with all the medication, even with the doctor's visits and everything, I think that the issue was the size of the meals that I was having because I had been increasing the size of my meals to try to put on weight and I, do, I think that my stomach wasn't handling that well. And so what I have switched, I've switched recently to a four small meals a day and I had the longest period of respite from these symptoms that I have had in a year. And so I, I fell off the wagon a little bit. I don't, know if, I don't know if I tried to, like, you know, eat too much again. As I mentioned, I lost 15 pounds from having COVID. So I was trying to kind of do both things at the same time, like eat small meals and also try to put on the weight again. And so that's where we're at right now. I had like a little bit of an episode recently. I don't know what happened if I burned the broccoli or if my meals got a little too big or something, but I think we have the acid reflux thing solved. And so there we go. 
there we have it, guys. That's the, <laughs> that's the long and short of my life of health problems. We didn't even get in, get into certain things, you know? We didn't even get into, uh, you know, like the depression that I had that, uh, you know, I ended up taking some uh, Zoloft for that ended up making me feel a lot better. And uh, we didn't get into how I started getting these weird bouts of depression whenever I would get massages. That was a weird thing that happened. Some of the stuff, it's like there's been so many health problems that I've forgotten so many of them already, you know? Oh, yeah. It's rough. This is not a pity party. This I just think this stuff is interesting, you know? It's a story for y'all. A, a very personal story about my body being a nightmare. And if you've ever seen me do that bit, that bit in my stand-up about this, then you know where that comes from. But anyways, here's the last thing I want to share with you guys. We're at about 30 minutes, I think, so I want to make sure that, uh, that I round things off. So what I wanted to do before I got COVID is I had an idea to do like a new year's ep where I was going to talk about some of the things that happened in the past year and how fun it was. And, you know, really get into some of the things that I enjoyed about the year 2020 or 2021. It is, I guess. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to 2022. I mean, the world is a nightmare out there. It fucking sucks, but we just have to make sure that we take care of each other and try to be as happy as we can try to take care of ourselves and take care of the people that we love. But I read this book about politics. It's called Politics is for Power, and it's about getting away from just worrying about politics and actually getting involved. And the thesis of the book, I don't really, I didn't really, you know, challenge this thesis. It just sounded good to me, was to get involved in a local organization. And so if you are listening out there and you're worried about politics the way that I worry about politics and you want to know, like, what else can we do except for donating money and tweeting and whatnot? Join a local organization, knock on some doors, and actually talk to people. Because according to this book, that is the key to turning the tide to this fucking nightmare, capitalist fucking boondoggle, this dystopia that, we are, that we've been fucking shackled to and are losing our fucking minds about. All these fucking health problems that I told you about, think about how much worse every single thing I just told you about is because of health insurance. Think about how, what a fucking nightmare this fucking, you know, what, what are we going to call this? 30 years of health problems that I dealt with? How much worse would it have been? How much better would it have been if I didn't have to worry about copays and referrals and pre-authorizations and ugh, fucking deductibles? It was such a fucking nightmare. Ugh. Like all this time that I spent looking for a periodontist and then I get this procedure and then the insurance company is like, oh, we don't cover that procedure. And I'm like, well, you cover the periodontist, right? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, you got the referral, right? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, so I did everything right. It's just that the thing that I need, you're just not going to pay for because you decide you're not going to pay for it. And they're like, yeah, sorry, it's not going to, it's in your contract. We're not going to pay for that. And I was like, I will burn this whole fucking place to the ground, man. It's so fucking infuriating. So yeah. So join lo local organizations, something where you're actually knocking on doors and talking to people that you don't know and getting people to vote. You know, but here's the thing. What I wanted to do was I, I kind of collected a loose, um, loose list of the things that I loved that happened in 2021, the things that I saw, the, the movies and television. And so I wanted to share that with y'all here. So movies. OK, these are the things that I loved from 2021 movies wise. All right. Promising Young Woman. Awesome. Bad Trip with Eric Andre. Hilarious. Space Sweepers on Netflix, such a fun fucking action movie, super dope, highly recommended. Nomadland, I know that's a little controversial, some people didn't like that one. That movie fucking broke my heart, and it's a not, it's sort of a, a subtle criticism of capitalism, which I fucking love. Judas and the Black Messiah was awesome on Netflix. 
Uh, Weathering with You was a dope ass anime, and I think Palm Springs might have been one of my favorite movies. It's a, you know, it's a time loop Groundhog Day kind of movie, but it's just it's fucking great, man. I don't know why it really resonated with me. Okay, television. Succession, obviously awesome. Search Party was dope as hell. Shadow and Bone, I liked a lot. I, I don't know if it's quality television, but there was just something about it that really vibed with me. Pen15, hilarious. The Holly Quinn TV show that was on HBO, fucking hilarious. And then I would say my two highest recommendations, also HBO TV shows, White Lotus. Oh, God, so fucking good. And Station Eleven, Station Eleven, flawless two-thumbs-up television series. Okay, so... Those are my recs. I hope you enjoyed it. If you heard about something that you didn't see, maybe you'll go see it, and then you'll love it, and then you'll tell me, Jarrett, thank you so much. Oh, my God. And I hope you enjoyed my story. <laughs> Fucking super sad story about my body falling apart. The, the you know, the, I, I'm going back on tour in about a month, so check my website if you want to check out those tour dates. Uh, you know, I'm still making videos for TikTok and everything. But I'm in a little bit of a transitory period where I'm coming out of COVID and Omicron wave has, has declined. And so now I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to start doing live shows in New York again or if I'm going to relegate that to when I'm on the road. I don't know. So just, you know, check out the website. Keep checking back with Sporadic. I'm going to do more episodes, I promise, as long as I don't get fucking COVID again. And <laughs> as long as something else in my body doesn't fucking break down, I got to deal with. All right. Is This Anything podcast. We're coming up on our 100th episode. Very excited about that. Check that out. We got the best Patreon in town, man. A lot of awesome content on there. Patreon.com slash ICA pod. I've also got my own personal Patreon, patreon.com slash Jared Berenstein, which I have zero subscribers to. And I got to tell you guys, there is something on there where if you subscribe, I will give you a high thought every month. And that is worth $1,000 a year, in my opinion. Okay. And lastly, call your cable company and tell them that you don't want fucking right-wing propaganda on your cable box. Fucking OAN, One America News, Newsmax, and Fox News. Tell them that you're going to get rid of it or you're you're fucking cutting the the cord. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope that you're having a good year. I hope that your body works better than mine. And I will see you again soon. Tell me how you thought about this episode. I don't know how interesting it is to hear all the fucking complaints that I have about my body. But that's what I thought I would share with you guys this time. All right. Take care. Be good to each other. Come on.